Hello, friends and listeners. Below the line, at least today's episode, is brought to you by a little project of mine called Magic Mind, the world's first productivity drink. Want more creativity, more flow, more energy, and less stress? Go to magicmind.co to get the two-ounce shot that contains 12 magical ingredients that are scientifically designed to improve your productivity. Along with CEOs, doctors, musicians, even Navy SEALs, I take it every morning and have been for about six years after a trip to the ER from drinking too much coffee day to day. And it is the single most important part of my morning ritual to do more and stress less. Listeners know that I go to pretty extreme lengths to talk about the science behind sleep, diet, exercise, alternatives to coffee, stress management, nootropics, adaptogens, anti-inflammatories, etc. And you can find the peer-reviewed research on the ingredients of Magic Mind on the site to learn more. Go to magicmind.co, that's magicmind.co, and enter promo code BTL for below the line to get 15% off and try it for yourself. I also wanted to tell you about MetaLab. You probably didn't know it at the time, but MetaLab has been the secret sauce behind products used by billions of people around the world, with a B, billions. They've been creating apps and products for over a decade with startups like Slack and Coinbase, as well as industry leaders like Google and Uber, and I have been recommending them to friends and founders of companies for years, way before starting this podcast. From delightful design to world-class engineering and everything in between, MetaLab works with teams of all sizes to sweat the details and build products that your users will love. I am a massive, massive fan of MetaLab. They are one of the only agencies that I consistently recommend and have been since my friends at Coinbase used them maybe six years ago and loved working with them. There are a lot of agencies out there, but if you're like me and obsessed with pixel perfect products that people love to use, you've got to talk to MetaLab. Check them out at metalab.co. That is M-E-T-A-L-A-B dot C-O, metalab dot C-O. And when you get in touch, let them know that James sent you. And if you dig below the line, we'd love a review. It's how podcast platforms rank and suggest podcasts. So every review matters. And if you're one of the fine folks that have already left a review, especially all the five-star ones we've gotten, know that we appreciate and read every single one. Only takes two to three seconds and we really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. This is your host, James Beshera, and I am really excited for today's episode with none other than Heaton Shaw. This is a topic that many people are thinking about, myself included, which is how to work from home productively and efficiently. I've been doing it for about a year and a half now, so I've learned a few things, but really Heaton's in the driver's seat, not just in this conversation, but even if you Google remote or work from home best practices, his content is the stuff that comes up at the top of the list. And for good reason. He's been working from home and running distributed teams for almost two decades, longer, way longer than anyone else I know. So when I thought about a deep dive episode in this topic, couldn't think of anyone better than Heaton to join us with his best practices in general, as well as a tweaked version for the world we find ourselves in now, the COVID-19 version of working from home. So some really good tidbits and best practices that we go over in this episode. As is the case for many of us that are trying to host meetings or 
calls during the coronavirus bandwidth overload. We had some technical difficulties in the audio during this conversation. We actually had to restart it three times. So I hope it's not too annoying for listeners, but we figured the content was so good and uh, it certainly beats reading it all in in one sitting uh, to be able to listen to the audio version of this list. So hopefully it's not too terrible for you. Without further ado, let's get into it with Heaton Shaw. This is Below the Line. And we are live with Heaton Shaw. Welcome back, old friend. Thanks for having me, as always. Well, this is a, man, the whole world has been kind of shoved into, into a world you know really well, which is working from home. 17 years, yeah, working from home. <laughs> wow, I knew it was a while, but did not know it was 17 years. And, uh, oh, I just heard a little pop-up message. That's, yeah. we're on a Zoom call, so this is real. This is the below-the-line version this is, this of- This is the stuff that happens, right? Now I had to turn off my Slack because I didn't have it off. Now it's off. There we go. There we go. Even uh, the veterans you know, still have notifications going on in between important conversations, Heaton. I'm just <laughs> there um, go. No, I'm really, I'm really pumped to chat today because we're going to go over. Uh, this is a, a deep dive episode into productivity in this work from home world we are all in. And you, uh, you've been doing it for 17 years. I've been doing it for about a year and a half. And yep. uh, it's you know, I don't have near. You're on level. You're on level 10, and and most of the world is on kind of level, barely entering level one and maybe I'm on level two or three, uh, especially when it comes to productivity, because it's just, it's how my mind is, is wired, but I can't wait to get your download because you've written about working from home productivity and, and working from home, just tips, best practices uh, numerous times. And so if I was going to chat with anyone around the best practices and and productivity tips, and I knew it was going to be you, but first off, I asked you to get a uh, crazy drink right now. I'm drinking some Matcha Kari Matcha, which uh, listeners know I love. I love a good cup of matcha. What are you drinking? What am I drinking? Well, I you know went downstairs before this, and I have these things in my fridge, and there's they're, they're these little bottles, and I think you might know about them. <laughs> and, and and I go to my kids, and I'm like, I need my magic mind. I need my magic mind, and they're like, Why? They're like, What's that? Because like they know they've seen it, but they don't really know what it is, but they kind of do. And I'm like, I'm talking to the magic mind guy. Okay. Well, this is not, I did not ask you to do that. I told you to get a, a, a just a, you know, unique drink, but, uh, that's, so I'm going to stop you there, uh, unless people will think it's a, uh, hidden product placement. That is good to know. Drink your magic. Well, mind. I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I mean, it's not a product placement. I, I was definitely in the early cohort of people when you had these bottles with powder in them and they look kind of shady. Uh, so it was just a bunch of green powder with no label. Literally, and you sent them over, and I was like, "Okay, cool, let's try this." And I know, now, I know. When I would take those two, so for listeners, a little below the line version of Magic Mind, I started in my kitchen, and and I would just mix up the powders myself. And when I would go to UPS and mail those to people, they obviously thought it was drugs. 
and um, yep. and probably when it arrived on people's doorsteps, even friends like you, it's uh, I imagine it was a little shady. These little bottles without any labels. Yeah, it was fun. And and then so today I went downstairs. I got it. It's in my fridge. I got two boxes of them. Um, halfway through the second, the first one, and I actually had my kids read it. So the, I'm gonna read it just cause like if, if you don't know. You know, now you know. Okay, and I did so, not ask him to do this. I know I, you did it. Yes, they know you did it. Don't worry about it, James. So, so the thing is, it, it's called Magic Mind, and it's these little bottles that are like, what is it? How many ounces? Two fluid ounces, and it's called a herbal supplement. It is w- one of James's sort of product endeavors, whatever you want to call it, project. It, it has matcha, which gives you energy, according to the label. It has adaptogen, which helps you relax, according to the label. It has nootropic, which keeps you focused, according to the label. It has honey, which makes you happy, according to the label. So, yeah, and, 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 and then the tagline kind of thing, there's like a, a wave and some birds and an ocean, like just kind of drawn out and outlined, which I think is actually really nice. Uh, and there's like, an, and there's two M's, like the, 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 the birds look like two M's, like an M and an M. That's pr- pretty cool. Uh, There's an awesome, awesome designer and brand agency in Dallas, Texas, Tractor Beam, that made that and didn't charge us, did not charge us California brand agency prices, but did a awesome, awesome job. Yeah, I mean, I'm just noticing it from the font to everything. uh, (laughs) All right, all right, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there because it's it's gratuitous at this point. Hang on, this is this is relevant. This is relevant though. If it wasn't relevant, who cares? So I, I take this every morning with my tea. I drink chai tea in the morning and I just had my tea and now I'm taking this. Sometimes I do it before, sometimes I do it after. And the tagline is do more, stress less. That's why it's relevant. So if I were drinking anything else, it wouldn't really be as relevant to productivity as this. And I know you're like a productivity dork, which is next level from a productivity geek, which is probably <laughs> where I'm at. So, because you made a drink that's supposed to increase productivity and, you know, I mean, you could have your opinions about it, but all these things are scientifically proven to do that. And yes, this is not an ad. And I'm going to say one more thing, which is you wrote the book on the topic. That is true. Thank you so much, Heaton. And we're going to move on from that um, because (laughs) it is, uh, it's getting to an uncomfortable point for listeners where they're like, man, did he just have his friend do that? Yeah, for me, for me. I mean it. Look, I use it. I only endorse things that I'm into and I I use. Well, thank you. Anyway, thank you. We're going to move on from this, but I'm drinking my magic mind right now. I'm about to open it. You can hear it crack open. All right. Open and I'm about to chug it because I like chugging it. All right. Well, the, uh, it is, that is a great way to kick off, you know, 51% 51% of me wants to move on, 49% of me wants to kick off every episode with with that type of um, testimonial. That's great. But the it is it is somewhat relevant to today's conversation on productivity and working from home. And it is, uh, I'll bring up a little bit of, of my background and viewpoint on productivity and, and working from home or productivity in the office. Some of the things that are, that I think are foundational to getting into creative productive flow. But you also have written, like I said, numerous times about best practices. You have 17 years of experience, longer than anyone I know, twice as long as anyone I know, and and here in in San Francisco. So it is a uh, it is a treat to get to chat with you about this stuff. And in the best practices, I think maybe just diving right into one of the articles that that you wrote around the best practices. You had the 11 tips that that you wrote up, and I'd love to start there. If, 
if you don't mind, maybe just starting with one, two, and three to kick it off. Yeah. So my co-founder wrote this post, and as of now, a few weeks ago, it really popped. And we're, we're ranked, I think, number one for remote work best practices on Google. We've wow. been ranked there for a bit, but because of the sort of increase in volume, uh, we definitely have taken, I think, a lion's share of that traffic being number one. And it was it, it was not super deliberate. We just noticed that this was a this was a term that used to get very little traffic. Uh, but we were writing about remote work and wanted a, almost a companion to some of the reports we have done. And everything we do is is very research backed. So and when uh, when did you all write this? It was sometime last year. So sometime in 2019, towards like I think Q2 or Q3, maybe Q3, I think. And so we we did a whole report on remote work where we asked a bunch of open ended questions and started figuring out what the challenges were and stuff like that. Um, and even got some really good quotes. We actually compiled 180 remote work tips from people uh, and have a tips directory. And we took the research and that report. And my co-founder, Marie, who's like an amazing writer, uh, I would yeah, I would call her a professional writer, although she'll probably hate me for saying that because um, she's like every other writer who has the, ang- the writer's angst and all that. That's when you know they're professional. <laughs> um, and because uh, I don't have that angst the way she does. <laughs> so I'll just jump right in. Uh, now that we know all about the angst uh, of a writer, uh, and and the, uh, you know definitely a hit on productivity there when you have angst. <laughs> so uh, the first three, I'm going to list them out, and then let's have a discussion about them. Uh, so the first one is really about practicing good meeting etiquette, and uh, the next one is about experiment with what makes you most productive, and then the third one is prioritize documentation and clear communication. So these actually, the more I think about it, are probably the, the top three um, that I would suggest to anybody anyway. Yeah, it's, so, it's actually, it, yeah. this is a great kind of zooming out. It's obviously you want your entire team to be productive and reaching this kind of productive flow as a team in this this new environment we're in. So yeah, it's, it, it, we, there's so many lists out there that will talk about individuals, but yeah, your first one is practice good meeting etiquette. Uh, would love to know more about that and why that was number one. You know, this one's funny, uh, and, and we're seeing this play out right now. So, what, what's funny about this is that you're you're in real life, and you're going to have probably a lot more experience with this than I do at, at your own company. Kind of when you were running a company, uh, and when you were working at a really large company, I guess, or not really large, but large enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, the big thing for me is like. We are used to having meetings in person. We are used to like literally going in a conference room and jamming with somebody. We're used to walking around and having walking meetings here in tech. Walking meetings have become a pretty big thing or were a pretty big thing uh, until mm-hmm. recently. And and so I think the, the good, good meeting etiquette is super, super important. Probably more important in a remote work environment, at least in my experience. And even when I started like, I started right out of college. First company was remote just by accident. And this was back in 2003. And I, I wasn't used to meetings like in a corporate environment anyway. So I kind of made up my own rules, so to speak. And now it feels like a lot of those rules are like clear. So there's people who will tell you, turn the video on. So one of our rules is turn the video on. That being said, that's not my personal rule. And the reason I say that is because if you already have rapport with somebody and you kind of already know them to some extent, I don't think you need video. And this was back when I was using Skype 
And that's one reason I didn't do video because video was very, very sketchy. Uh, worse than even today, where it's still a little sketchy today. It's sketchy in the sense of like, sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, and it's pauses and it causes issues with your sort of uh, internet connectivity, uh, more likely to cause issues. So right. we would just do voice back then. So I think, I think that's a rule that a lot of people have these days about turning on video because they're trying to mimic a, a sort of general in-person meeting environment. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one because I, I think that's like almost yeah. the crux of a lot of this. Yeah, I think it's, I think uh, the, the part that I'd underscore is if you already have rapport with the individual and yeah. like right now, we don't need video for this, no. for this recording. And it's, I don't think it has any, um, there are any drawbacks to that. I will say in, in a group setting or especially where you don't have rapport, you know, the research points to about 6% of, of communication is verbal and 94% is nonverbal. So getting the body language, getting the the facial body language and being able to to see that type of side of communication does seem really helpful when it is maybe an exploratory, deep, important, uh, contentious, really dynamic meeting. But if it is more of an administrative, hey, we need to get on the same page and it's not exploring a topic deeply or a direction deeply, then yeah, it makes, I, I totally, totally hear you on not having the video on. So I, I'd say it's, yeah, case by case, but uh, and- I, I do lean towards, I do enjoy, I really, I really like being able to see, you know, the full screen, someone's body language. I would highly recommend everyone has video on. And, and again, I'll, as I sprinkle this, I'm going to give my personal opinion on it too, of course, which yeah, please. is for, for me, video doesn't matter. Like I, I know, I know it matters to a lot of people. I think I've just had so many cycles of being on the phone, mm-hmm. so to speak, or like on voice where it's like, I don't really worry about those 94% or that 94% of cues. Cause I'm really actually paying more attention to the inflections in people's voice. Yeah. And so that's, that, that, that to makes about. total sense. And as a, uh, as a full-time angel investor, I'm meeting constantly with people you know, externally, outside yeah. my one one person shop. So everybody's external, but <laughs> that's where it is. It is really helpful. But so most of our conversations, by definition, don't have rapport yet. But it makes total sense once you have a rhythm of of rapport. And I do want your personal. I know that there's the company list of best practices, but I absolutely want your personal viewpoints because I think, and and actually, do you mind describing the listeners where you're sitting? what you look like right now, just like (laughs) the real you, um, right, right now, where you are in your, are you in your house? Yeah. I I break a lot of the best practices. Um, so, and, and it it goes back to something my dad used to tell me, which is like, do what I say, not what I do. So, um, (laughs) I think I blame him as I blame him for a lot of things, uh, because it lets me get away with bad behavior, so to speak. Anyway, I am sitting on a beanbag. It's a $200 Muji beanbag. Uh, I make sure I mention how much it costs and where it's from so that people feel like, oh, he must be very comfortable on his beanbag and all that. It is as good as the Aeron chair I have in the, in the office downstairs in my house. I'm in my house. It's in sort of one of the most common style suburban uh, areas in, in the U.S. where it's like my house is one of five models. It's like tracked housing. And it's in about 30 minutes south of San Francisco. And I'm in my bedroom in the corner, which is also a rule that most people say don't work out of your bedroom. But honestly, it's one of the best places in my house. And it's one of the biggest rooms that no one's going to come into. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids are downstairs and they're they're also probably on a video call or something. It's the middle 
roughly the middle of the day on a Monday, and they are in school on Zoom or Google Hangouts, depending on what school chooses or the teacher chooses. Uh, they might be watching some videos that are streaming as well because a lot of the lessons are like that. And then my wife also has worked from home for the last 17 years on another business of ours that we started together. And uh, she might be on a video call or something as well. So uh, yeah, I'm I mean, going to be where does, in where the corner she, of my bedroom. Which I love. I want to touch on that in a second. Where does, where does your wife work from in the house? She usually works from one of the couches downstairs. We have about two or three. We have three couches, one of them, and, and, or she works from the desk in the office where we have a standing desk that we haven't been using for standing in a while. So it's set up to be just on there. And there's like a big iMac there, a uh, 27-inch iMac. And then she also has her laptop. She's usually working from her, her laptop and uh, in, in downstairs on the couches. Did, did you all go through a, a rhythm of you know following all the best practices that people would would parrot and and or getting you know the standing desk? It sounds like you got the standing desk, the 20-inch 20 20 iMac. Did you go through kind of a a window of checking all those boxes and then just finding your own version of a beanbag beanbag in the bedroom never shows up in the lists of whatever it is ergonomic ways to work from home things like that but i'm wondering if you had kind of, it sounds like you did check those boxes and i'm asking mainly from my perspective i also have checked those boxes i've got a standing desk i've got an air on chair and i love working from an inflatable mattress in our little uh, tiny back house thing in our <laughs> in our house, and I love working from the bed. It's the most, by far, the most ergonomic, comfortable place for me to work. And right, right, and yeah. it's the second most comfortable is our Moon Pod beanbag chairs that I started to use once you told me long time ago, six or seven months ago, that you worked from a beanbag chair. That I started to use ours in. Dude, so comfortable. So comfortable. Yeah. Look, look, working from home, remote work, especially working from home, remote work is about comfort. I, I don't I don't care what anyone says. It's about comfort. Because the more comfortable you are, the more likely you are to just feel relaxed and be able to actually work. Like being able to feel comfortable, it trumps everything else, every other rule you can think of. Obviously, this is not about collaboration specifically on that rule. It's more about personal comfort and freedom. And so, yeah, for us, we never, we, there were no rules. The only folks who were really adamant about remote work, barely at that time, like in 2003, were, were the folks at 37 Signals, now Basecamp. And, and now they're like beating that drum as hard as they possibly can. They probably broke the drum a few weeks ago. <laughs> but anyway, um, we won't get into talking about that. No, but that's, uh, that is helpful backdrop for, for listeners that you're in, you're currently in a beanbag chair in your room. And we have had many calls emailed innumerable times and i i've obviously have never known except for that one time you mentioned that you work from a beanbag chair never known and if anything i'm so glad you did mention that because it it just it almost gave me permission to work from any or at least prioritize comfort and and, in a similar way so thank you for that honesty probably wasn't too courageous for you to just share yeah i work from a beanbag chair but there's so much posturing especially when you just see the kind of the i don't know the i'd say there's some some propagandized version of working from home requires all of these things the standing desk the ergonomic chair and it just doesn't really does not require those things. So I'm glad that we've got that as the backdrop. All right. So going back to 
good meeting etiquette. What are some of the other things that that help uh, with practicing good meeting etiquette? Yeah. So, I mean, just to kind of end, like kind of the most important thing that happens with collaboration in a remote work environment or in general at work, I think with meetings, it really boils down to like the value of your meetings have everything to do with what's the purpose of the meeting. And when you have agendas and you have action items that come out of them, and when you have notes that you're taking in them, it, it becomes like very clear that you need a purpose for every meeting. So biggest piece of advice, biggest like thing about good meetings and meeting etiquette is make sure everyone has a purpose or don't do it. Yeah, that's great. And huge plug for FYI as a perfect place for listeners. Heaton is the founder of uh, co-founder of a company called FYI. And, and it is a remarkable tool to be able to search all of your docs for the notes, for whatever the agenda or takeaway items, ta- action items, or for the team, all the way to your individual, you know, Evernotes and things that you've written down that tie these things together. So it's a, it is a good, uh, good time to plug a, a invaluable service when it comes to remote employees or people being not just people being scattered, but docs being scattered all about. Okay. So what are the, the others that, that we go through on your best practices list that you would mention for listeners right now? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we have like so much construct and, um, we're, we're in a, almost in a, in a box of the limitations when we're in an office that we don't have when we're sort of at home. And so you have to experiment with what makes you most productive. Uh, I think we already went over this earlier. Like I sit on a beanbag, you know, and that makes me most productive. And I think James sometimes sits on a beanbag now because of me. So it is uh, remarkable. So yeah, like it's a, it sounds silly to overstate this or to, to even attempt to overstate, but this moon pod beanbag, it's just not your grandpa's beanbag chair. Beanbag chairs, I'm sure your $200 one is, is seriously legit too. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is, I invested in it because I was like, all right, I'm going to try this out because this chair is really bugging me and it's been, it's been amazing. So just, just experiment with what makes you productive. That's like the number two best practice around remote work. Number three, which could be like, the, the pinnacle of a lot of stuff. We already talked about it in the meetings area, but it's really about basically in, in person, you, the way you prioritize communication is taps on the shoulder, meetings and conference rooms. With remote work, it's actually about prioritizing documentation and clear communication, um, which is the third one. And a lot of it has to do with designing your team so that you can work asynchronously. And that's the key. And then when you do work, synchronously it's for a purpose as i mentioned and it's a meeting and i have like processes and things i'll share in short the framework i use for like collaboration in a remote environment is like i try to keep it down to like two people maybe three collaborating they pick a tool like a document tool or whatever uh, or a whiteboarding tool that's online and they get on an audio call and they work and talk at the same time and maybe someone's screen sharing if the tool doesn't have good collaboration built in like where you can see what each other's doing, and that's it. What would the, what I would be an example be, of that tool of a tool you, tr- you like? Trello would be a tool that doesn't have collaboration built in mm-hmm. as easily. Like 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 for example, in Notion or Coda or Google Docs, you can see the person in the document, mm-hmm. right? In Trello, you can't see where that person is. Last I checked. But what, what's so, an example of a tool that you that is your go to that does have that collaboration? We feature? use Google Doc. We use Google Doc. So my co-founder Marie and I will get in a document. And we'll jam on the document, whether it's a plan, an outline. Like recently, we did this for like nailing a product hunt set of images and copy. We just went in the document that has all the sort of copy that we're going to put in there. 
and we just jammed on it and got it done really fast. So I've done this for almost everything where it's just like two people jamming on something, collaborating as if we're in the same room. How All do you, audio though. I, I don't, I don't want to belabor this, this point, but it, it, it seems to be a really critical one of prioritizing, you know, documentation and clear communication when you don't have the, yeah, the tap on the shoulder and you mentioned asynchronous, how do you balance asynchronous, which for listeners, do you mind also just giving a little bit of weight and volume behind the asynchronicity that that working from home allows that, uh, yeah, an office culture, or it's not even an office culture, it's really 1984 culture. You know, every office could work asynchronously, but still at Airbnb, we'd toss in 15 meetings a day. Do you mind do, uh, walking how you balance asynchronous versus uh, synchronous work? Absolutely. It's whatever whatever gets the job done faster. So sometimes synchronous work, like if if we need to collaborate and like jam on copy or value propositions or like something that's actually like better together um, because we can just riff off each other or riff riff ideas. And it's like more creative work that can be done in a collaborative manner and it's faster because it's much faster to do that than go create a bunch of copy and stuff and then go to her and, and my co-founder and be like, yo, check this out. Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And because it, it's like quick stuff. It's like quick meaning like short pieces of content that require a lot of thought, deeper thought and, and sort of ideas are bounced back. But when it comes to like, let's say somebody creating like a, a, like a crazy plan or, or like um, creating like a, a long spec, those are often not done well when you collaborate like together. Those are where like one person doing it and having deep work. But it's basically deep work versus if you want to call it shallow work mm-hmm. or work that requires more back and forth in the moment. That's the type of stuff we do like that. For us, it's usually copy and, and things that are more customer facing words and stuff like that. While things that are internal like specs uh, and, and things like that are definitely more async where someone does it, then other folks are providing feedback via comments or even potentially in a meeting, but the work is done before. So it's like async, asynchronous communication is best when you when one person can do the work first mm-hmm. and really like get it done or it's their responsibility. And then, you know, other people can give feedback. How much of you, and, and Matt Mullenweg was on the podcast recently and he, he is known for talking about asynchronous being for distributed teams and and that's basically every company now as being like the level right below nirvana how much of your day is asynchronous work versus meetings that are synchronous with people i think like there's areas in the company like sales where like you cannot do it right Mm -hmm. so like majority of their work would be 80 90 percent synchronous getting on meetings and calls with customers potential customers prospects etc I do some of that, so that probably takes up 30 to 50% of my day. Same with like interviews, like for customer interviews, customer development, things like that. Then there's like another like 50 to 70% of the day that is spent uh, synchronous, uh, uh, sort of, sorry, async. So the, the former I mentioned was synchronous. This is async. Async is more like, uh, I think emails are kind of async in a way, documentation like specs uh, or things that like I need to do on my own. But, you know, sometimes like I have to write a bunch of stuff uh, for announcements inside the company. Uh, a lot of internal work tends to be a lot more async in my experience uh, compared to external work mm. where you're actually dealing with people outside unless you're dealing with email. So it, it's really about internal like work that like moves things forward, planning, things like that, that often best done think, uh, sort of 
asynchronously. Mm, that's helpful. Okay. And what's next? So that I think is three. So yeah, this one's really important with the remote work, which is like create boundaries between work and life. And we're noticing right now for all kinds of reasons we'll talk about in a second uh, after these best practices, but like boundaries are important. So like turn off notifications, turn off your phone if you have to, turn off your computer, create a space where you can leave, you know, your work behind, so to Mm -hmm. speak. So if I'm not on my beanbag, I'm not working. If I'm on my beanbag, I'm usually working. That's just an example. But there's all these things about work-life boundary, basically. You know, that is a a huge one that I... I have taken on to advocate for for folks that are that are learning this this new world and the boundaries in creating separate space. So whether it's a desk, whether it's a beanbag chair, it, not just you knowing it, but everyone around you also knowing you are in work mode in that within that boundary. I think it's this is a huge one for being able to get into a productive flow, and and it's one that I know I without that. And I'm just on the kitchen counter uh, or the kitchen table, no headphones in. It looks like anyone, my wife uh, could ask me anything. But once I started to tell her, okay, this is where, this is the space that I'm going to be, going to be working from. And then I'd also add in headphones are a perfect way to just signal externally to others, roommates, you know, spouses, that you are in work mode as another psychological way for you to create that boundary that is just as powerful for when you're in it as it is to communicate to everyone outside that you're in it. Yep. And actually, the next one is about make yourself visible at work, which I think is very similar. It's basically like letting people know via like a Slack status message of what's going on with you. For example, you can sync Google Calendar with Slack and the icon will change to a calendar icon whenever you're in a meeting and Slack Mm. knows you're in a meeting. Um, That's a little trick people don't exactly know. So when you see that calendar icon, you're just not bugging that person. Our our head of engineering at at FYI does that quite a bit. Uh, Well, well, he has meetings, but he has like one-on-ones and all kinds of meetings with people on the team. And so he's used that integration. I haven't used it yet because I have like multiple calendars and stuff, but super valuable. Uh, Use your status messages smartly. But the whole idea is how do you let people know what you're working on? And, you know, again, I'll plug my own product, but like one of the reasons we built FYI is because it's well beyond a search box. It actually helps you see what's being worked on at work. And a lot of people have came to us with that use case of like, oh, you help us find documents, but because you have this feed of showing showing me exactly what's changing in the documents uh, or for what documents are being uh, accessed and changed, you're able to show me what's being worked on. Oh, and so cool. we're going to double down on that. But like, again, that's this whole idea of visibility, right? So right now people are doing a lot of work for that visibility. One, so small stuff is like the status message. I think bigger things are like, what one thing we recommend is like, are you getting what you need from me? And you literally asking people that on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that's all, that's, that visibility stuff is a big deal. Next up is uh, scheduled time for socializing. I think this one's obvious, but it has to do with boundaries and things like that as well. But it's like, we're already seeing it. I mean, today we're seeing it. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. But like the big thing we're seeing is like people are using Zoom and tools like that to actually go have dinner parties and, right. th- and all that stuff. And like some of it will last after this. Some of it won't, but in the kind of social time is like, make time for yourself, make time to actually socialize with people outside of work. Cause like when you're a remote worker, most of the people you're socializing with are either your family or work. And you don't have that passive anything. Like, you know, you you go on a train, you have passive people around you. You might have a nice conversation with a stranger, right? That's almost impossible right now because everyone's working from home, but also generally as a remote person, like you get into your work, 
you get into your sort of family as well. But like, what about your friend? Right. Yeah. There's, there is a, uh, a friend of mine that has continually, and now we're using with other groups of friends, but there, if you just Google uh, games, you can play on zoom yes. It is a great tool for, and we're actually, we're doing more game nights now than we did before. Cause there's no commute. Yes. There's no coordination of different houses. It's just boom at seven 30, five couples log in and it's an hour of, of virtual, you know, remote it's games. We have another so friend. Cool. It is so much fun. It actually, re- I think that's definitely going to stay. Another thing that a friend is, is, has been doing is trivia just with Google docs and just hosting trivia games, which is also a lot of fun. And then another one just recently, they booked an illusionist that can cool. a magician that can do i guess uh must be able to do their show through zoom and i think that's that's like in two or three nights and i mentioned it to my wife and i was like i don't know if my wife's gonna think this is like super nerdy super dorky and and she lit up she's like whoa cool yes we're in so it is uh yeah the it's a brand new world of of different things that people can do virtually remotely and and yeah the first thing i'd tell people is just google games you can play on zoom all right, what's next? Connect with your teammates. We do things like spend three to five minutes on the beginning of a call if we haven't like talked to each other. Usually this is on a Monday call, usually after the weekend, uh, just to like shoot the shit, so to speak, um, and just see how everyone's feeling. Like On our leadership team meeting, the first question is, how's everyone feeling? Uh, this is definitely something that our head of engineering and myself, I'm probably a little more okay with it. Uh, definitely had to get used to it. It's something Marie kind of introduced, but I think... Her also being newer to remote work than we were, I think it's just helpful, not just for her, but like it's turned out to be something where I'm the one excited about talking about our sort of feelings, so to speak. But it's really just about connecting with teammates um, and making sure that like, like we just have awareness on that level, not just the work club. That's great. Yeah. Okay. What is um, number? So that was number eight. seven. Yeah. What's number eight? eight? Um, so eight and we have 11 total. So eight is do postmortems on key projects. I cannot stress this enough. This is really like, this is good anyway, but it's so much more important in a remote work environment where you're literally doing a postmortem, a review, a retrospective, whatever your word is for it, that allows you to basically evaluate what you did and come up with how you can do it better. Good, bad, ugly, things like that. And we we have a whole format for this stuff. We have guidelines where we use, uh, I'll just share my, I mean, this is an obvious one in tech, in general, where you're doing retrospectives and stuff like that, we take it to another level and do this on almost everything we possibly can. So our guidelines are actually pretty funny. They're go wild, be nice, be honest, don't sugarcoat. It's okay to make mistakes. It's even better to learn from them. And oh, that's great. Do you mind repeating this? Of course. Go wild, be nice, be honest, don't sugarcoat. It's okay to make mistakes. And it's even better to learn from them. That's great. And that's something I, you know, I, I could do a lot better on postmortems. Um, I'm continually launching either episodes or, or experiments in the podcast or angel investing in, in new spaces, new territories or different stages. And, and Magic Mind has its own litany or cycle of, of launches. I don't do this enough. Why do you, when you say you can't stress this enough, what is going through your mind to where you on the other side of doing these, you know how valuable they are, but, but for someone like me, I might hear it and say, yeah, that sounds great, but it also sounds like extra work. Anything you repetitively do, you want to make better. So that's one way I think about it. You want to just make sure every time you take lessons and learn 
and they're documented because that's the only way you can make it better as fast as possible. I'm sure you've done that with the formula for Magic Mind, right? Yeah. You, yeah. You, 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 you take it, you, you improve it, you, you, you ship it, you get feedback. It's almost natural when it comes to product to get feedback, which is a form of a postmortem. This is like another level of it. Another reason you do it is because the review process itself is almost cathartic, where you just release any anxiety around it, any fear, any, any celebration. You just like bring it out to the open and say like, yeah, we, we get to do this. Now, here's the last piece of it. Postmortems on your processes for remote work, like product development, sales, et cetera, so critical at making those processes better. Mm-hmm. And we get away with that in person, in an office in 1984, like you said, in a way that we, we, we can't with remote work. We have no choice but to constantly evaluate and reevaluate our processes. And this postmortem system kind of gives you a very systematic way to do that. Right, right. Okay, what's number nine? Build in accountability. So I have tons of like frameworks I make up. I have one here. I'm not going to share it today on purpose because I think like accountability is like cornerstone and there's more to it, but really it's like, if you can't figure out how to be accountable, everything gets screwed up. And what that means is like, you don't know when something's going to happen. So this has to do with like checklists, time boxing tasks, all this stuff that like you kind of almost take for granted when you're in an office and you know you got to finish X before lunchtime. Well, in a remote environment, you might not even eat lunch that day. <laughs> mm, you know, just because right, you're cranky right. or like it just didn't make sense. Like you lose track of time. So accountability on time ends up being important. Otherwise, you're working till midnight and maybe you enjoy all that. It's totally fine. But imagine how much more you can get done if you just put a little more accountability on your day and what you're doing and when you're doing it and for how long. And how do you... In- how do you balance the individual when you think about individual accountability and your own accountability and others accountability how do you hold others accountable in this in this framework as well as it sounds like the first part you're talking about yourself your own accountability get things done get things out time box it uh, use trackers what else there's, what do you do for the for team uh, team member accountability there's no there's no accountability without commitment so if someone commits to something like if your culture and i think a remote culture tends to be better if it's done like this where like if someone commits to it it's okay for anyone else to call them out on it and not in a negative way i actually did that earlier today with somebody on the team where i'm like hey you said you're gonna do it you didn't do it what's up let's talk about it right Mm -hmm. and i even shared my feelings around it which were not positive you know Mm -hmm. and 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 it's fine it's okay so i think this is more cultural but to me it's like people make a commitment and commitments are so much more important with remote work because we don't get to see the person. We don't get to casually ask them. A lot of times like casualness is gone, unfortunately. So, so it's about commitment and being accountable to the commitments you make Amen. individually Amen. and collectively. It's tough yeah, stuff. It is, uh, but it, imagine an engine where each gear uh, has flexibility on whether it's going to work or not. The engine's going to be a pretty, pretty shitty engine and it only works all together if everybody really can lean on each other and and, uh, and lean on each other's commitment. So that's a, that is a great one to outline. All right, what's number 10? So number 10 is related, which is define your and your team's responsibility. So I think commitment and responsibility is sort of are one, one and the same in a lot of ways. And so it's like one key is like defining who is responsible for what, writing down those responsibilities, getting on a call to clarify if there's confusion, and then even asking like, does everyone understand or have questions? So giving everyone a voice is kind of related to this to me because it's almost like 
you know, people might like, like loose responsibilities don't work in a remote environment. Right. No one will pick them up. No. And that's why it's related to commitments too. So I think this is really critical in one that like is related to commitments and related to like accountability, but it's this idea of providing visibility to everyone on the team. That's great. Okay. Number 11, final one. Focus, focus on your health. That's what we wrote earlier. And this was before all this, all the stuff hit the fan around everyone having to be, you know, shelter in place and working from home. And uh, I think, I think health is so important. It's, it's almost easier to burn out as a remote employee. Do you mind building that out a little more? Yeah, of course. You can get lost in the work or you can get lost in your feelings and your emotions about the work. You can get lost in so many things because there's just not that tribal energy around you in the same way as in an office. Like if everyone's in a good mood and you're kind of a little bit off in an office, you can see everyone's in a good mood. Cool. You know, like right, I, right. I, I'm going to just feel better because the energy in the room, the, the, the atmosphere, while in the remote work environment, what if like your, 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 your partner's having a bad day? Mm-hmm. Like, what about you? You're not, but they might be, what do you do? Or it could be vice versa. So I think there's just this idea of like, take walk, build time to exercise, meditate, take a break during lunch. Like, like I drink a lot of water. I actually drink out of water bottles these days for a bunch of reasons, but like I got water bottles around me. I got like at one point I had like six or seven sitting right next to me because and next to my beanbag because I finished them all. Right. And I try to drink one or two of these a day. It just helps me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Health is so important. And I think, I think it's easy to get unhealthy habits working from also, by the way, the, the kitchens are usually within a few feet. Right. And, and for better or worse. Be a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably worse. Yeah. Snacking could be a thing. So I, I know, I know folks who find that to be a big problem. Oh, so, we, yeah, yeah, we, we, w- the way that I fix that is I put a really healthy snack right by my desk so that it's it. just, there's, it, it also helps to declutter your kitchen and your, your pantry from the unhealthy snacks. But even better is just if you are attached to snacking and uh and convenience then just make it really convenient to snack on something healthy so i've got almonds sprint that are regular just almonds with some uh, chocolate covered almonds mixed in so i don't know one out of every 10 is a chocolate one which is nice and then i have this these things called fat bombs which are macadamia nut little nut butter packets Mm. and they're so good and they definitely there's no sugar or anything but they satisfy kind of a sweet tooth or just a what feels like a a you know crack food craving it's it gets satisfied with the macadamia butter and that could be a good segue to what you're saying of you created this this list of best practices internally before jump into what has changed in this new type of work from home environment yeah so so we wrote we wrote this up a lot of it was internal and then we we published it last year and then we actually published something recently around why working from home during the coronavirus pandemic is normal. So I'm just going to go through kind of how we thought about it uh, yeah, and, and also what we're going to do about it. There's about like six things here. So like the first one is just like, you know, people say like have this sort of like professional clothing for work, get dressed up, all that. Honestly, right now, like who cares what you're wearing? You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like I think like, it is okay to not feel or be as professional just because of all the different factors that are going on. And this is not your remote, normal remote work, primarily because like everyone's working from home. Your kids might be at home. They're probably having to like do like 
homeschooling with like the teachers schooling them over Zoom or Google Hangouts or with videos and stuff like that. It's just a different environment. Mm-hmm. You might not have the kind of time you had before, frankly speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of like showering every day, things like that. I'm not saying anyone should have bad, bad hygiene, but truthfully speaking, like it might be tough. A lot of this boils down to do you have time? And you might not have time to actually do what you would normally do because everything's impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, waking up at the same time every day, like there's a lot of things going on in the world. I know so many people that are constantly reading about coronavirus, like in the evening. Oh my goodness. And- I'm totally, I'm on Twitter. 25 times a day just jumping in to see is there any new what's the latest (laughs) yeah what is the latest it is incredibly addictive but i'll i'll i'd add to that that um yeah it anything goes and uh, and and people are more comfortable with that more so than ever that it's it's just yeah you can't get out and no one can get haircuts for example but i would (laughs) i would also say that it is, I feel like it's also ritualistically important. If you can compress your you time to 20 minutes or 30 minutes in the morning, that, so for example, with with our two-year-old, every morning, my wife just knows I'm on uh, duty with the two-year-old till 7.30, so she can wake up at 6.30, 6.15, and she just knows she has an hour and 15 minutes of her time. And if you've got two kids, it gets much harder. Um mm-hmm. And three even harder than that. But uh, if you can find 30 minutes of you time for just putting yourself together, it reminds me of a Deion Sanders quote of uh, look good, feel good, feel good, play good. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's accurate, if that's true or not, but being able to feel like you look good, I think then allows you to feel, and it's actually has much less to do about hygiene and, uh, and more to do about just you having this compartmentalized blocked out and maybe this goes back to your time boxing you have this time box out for you to spend uh, you know whether it's shower or whether it's getting dressed or or whether it is actually how my wife uses the time which is actually just uh quiet reading and then it sets her day up for i can't tell you how big of a difference that is made for her to have that morning quiet time uh instead of just you know the second our, our daughter wakes up it's it's pandemonium and no one knows who's on <laughs> which duty and so anyhow ad, you advocate for wearing whatever you want to work right now i'm just saying like just like just and waking up whenever just like just take it a little bit easier on yourself yeah because we're inundated with an x an x factor and that x factor is like this 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 thing that's going on across the whole world and everyone's curious about it uh, and at the same time, we have so many more, res- we have added responsibilities um, yeah. at home. And I feel like what is happening, at least in the last week or so, is after two or three weeks of of the novelty of this and in this forgiven adjustment period, I feel like there's a chance that this window of adjustment or forgiveness, this window of forgiveness is closing to where people are now. It's just business as usual and you have the same expectations as you had before. And and you obviously don't have the same uh, routines and same luxuries as we as we had before, especially if you've got the two kids that are are at home from school trying to learn. I I can't imagine. Actually, I, I can't imagine close neighbors of ours. It's just eighteen hour days. So I think it's a really important one of just giving yourself that forgiveness of this is very different than uh than the world we had a month ago and it's okay for for your morning for your day for your routines to be completely different as well 
so the the next three kind of changes or differences are all about sort of meetings and calls and zooms uh and things like that google meetings whatever Mm -hmm. um you're basically normally it's unacceptable for interruptions to happen when you're in a meeting or a call today with people at home such as your kids and probably a lot of chaos and you know in some cases even the internet being actually pretty spotty compared to normal uh because everyone's on it it's case, kind of this uh, <laughs> case in point are repeated uh issues that we run into and in connecting for this podcast episode we apologize to listeners yeah it's been kind of crazy it happens to be the day and and i think both of us are probably on comcast <laughs> that's <laughs> um, true not, not to hate on comcast but i am i know that um, as well and yeah so i think like you're basically like just i don't mean to be un- you should you should be unapologetic but like it's okay. Like there's a lot more leniency. And what do you mean? Uh, and it's gonna what do you be mean like that specific? for a bit until like this is over and kids are back in school and whatnot and offices open up or start opening up, et cetera, which is, we don't know. Do you mind building that out a little bit more of what you mean by don't apologize for Zoom interruptions anymore? Yeah, I, I think I don't know about anymore, but at least for now, right? And and the reason is like random unexpected things might happen. Kids crying, laughing, screaming is a good example, and the internet being cut out, things like that. If you need to go address something because there's an emergency that's happening in your house or like somebody's like freaking out, that that stuff happens a lot, actually, a lot more than you'd expect right now and or even you'd guess. And so just pause the call and make it happen, you know, and then get back to it. And I think it's fine. It, it's actually OK. And, and, and it's OK because it's like you, you're not you don't have the time to deal with what you normally would in a sort of normal work environment. You're not just right. in a remote work environment right now. You're working from home and there's all these other factors and variables that everyone's dealing with. So I think I think the idea is like the 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 leniency and the the sort of rules are kind of up in the air at the moment because everyone's dealing with new conditions. Even mm-hmm. if you're weeks in now, we're weeks in, we're still dealing with new conditions. It's also a really great chance for Remote teams or distributed teams just to humanize with each other, to see the kids in the background, to say, yeah. oh, yeah, my kids are in the backyard. They're laughing. Sorry. Or, oh, my two-year-old just bumped her head. You're going to hear some crying in the background. It, yeah, you're totally right. One, people don't care. Like the human experience no. is exactly that. It's universally the human experience. But two, it is one of the great ways for people to get to know people on a different angle, a different side, a deeper perspective in these small little little ways that uh, an office, I mean, you ha- you'd create time to bring your kids to a, a team outing for this, uh, for this very purpose. And, and this is uh, an opportunity to get to know team members in these unexpected ways on a daily basis. Exactly. Well, this list is phenomenal for not just breaking down best practices, but also the tweaks in this new, the new world we're in right now. I, and I, can't recommend FYI enough. Use FYI for especially the not just searching every one of your docs, but also for being able to see what people are working on and the feed that you talked about, which is just um, that's it's pretty power. It's subtle but pretty powerful for for the. I think it was I think it was number seven or eight or or nine that was around visibility into others' work, and then rounding it out with just the forgiveness and not just the built-in organizational forgiveness, but also for yourself. If there's a distraction, if the internet cuts out, just not wasting 
the cycles as if we lived in a perfect world where everyone's internet is is solid or there aren't kids in the background screaming, crying, laughing, uh, or distracting. So I think it's a great uh, addendum to the list. Heaton, is there anything else you'd leave people with on this being able to find productive, creative flow and work from home type of deep dive? The value before all this of remote work and what you get out of it is freedom and being able to learn how to exercise that freedom and still get, uh, I, I would say, find a way to get even more work done, which is kind of the nirvana uh, that Matt Mullenweg mentions in the, the fifth phase, I guess. And that's important. And that's really what your kind of long-term goal is with remote work, which is like finding that freedom, using it to your advantage and building an organization and being a contributor to an organization that's able to work better being remote. That's great. And yeah, it's, uh, it ties directly to the list that leans on responsibilities with that freedom and uh, the processes and documentation processes and the documentation that comes with, with that freedom or is the price for that freedom. Thank you, Eaton, for coming back on the podcast to give listeners a rundown on this. Uh, where can people find you on, on social media and, and whatnot? Yeah, thanks for having me. And you can find me at, uh, on Twitter at H-N-S-H-A-H. And that's probably the best place to look. I'm currently tweeting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank cool. you so much and uh, be safe. Thanks, James. Hey, friends and listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want to hear more of these types of conversations, go over to your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe or leave us a review. Good or bad, we love hearing from people that that appreciate this type of conversation and want more of it. You can also follow us on Twitter at go below the line, as well as see in our Twitter bio, our email address for you to shoot us a note on any suggestions of guests or topics that we should cover. We read every single one. So thank you for those that have already sent those in. That's it for us today. We will see you next time on below the line. Below the Line is brought to you by Straight Up Podcasts.